these things that we call art, like painting, music, um, specifically, you know, whatever, uh, textiles, um, fashion, you know, these things, like, they're old human things that have origins and, like, genres or mediums or whatever um, are more an artifact of modern life rather than um, what they have been originally and are to many people, especially indigenous people um, today. You know, like, songs are as old as humans. Um, painting those cave paintings like paintings are as old as humans you know they're older than humans and so, you know like this um and it's not just about expression it's also it's about the stories of your time of your culture of where you are you know of the animals of everything so these kind of like abstracted notions of like okay yeah I paint I'm a graphic designer I'm a you know whatever it's a leather worker you know they're all just vestiges of of older and in some places still intact human things and i think that we forget that um that you know these things belong to everyone Welcome to the Art and Life podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. I just want to say thank you to you, the listener, for being here. This podcast is intended to encourage, inspire, and entertain. The guests of this podcast are digging deep and putting it all out there. And without you on the listening end, it would not be the same. So if you like what you hear, hit subscribe and share it with someone you think might be into it. Now. On to the good stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. And with me today, I'm interviewing Lynx Demuth. Lynx is a musician, a music producer, and a recovery mentor. 
They work and live in Portland, Oregon, and are from Colorado Springs, Colorado, originally. So, Lynx, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Um, that's really fun. We were talking about where we're from, and we're both from Colorado, and neither of us knew that about each other. Yeah. Some front rangers. That's right. That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. So fun when you run into those out in the world. Um, okay, well, let's just start out with the first question. And the first question is, creatively speaking, what are you most passionate about right now? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> creatively speaking, right now, um, in, in sort of my typical Gemini fashion, I'm doing seemingly opposing things, which is like, I find myself writing a lot of songs like on guitar and kind of working on this like moody um electronic like down tempo meets like deep house with a bit of a euro flavor like kind of thing um that's a lot of words but i can pull it apart a little more later um but the then recently i've just decided like also all my friends are always asking me for playlists and um, to curate, you know, music for whatever events. Um, as you know, I was, <laughs> we were at a wedding together where I just like ended up DJing off my iPhone late night. And I was like, man, if you would have told me, I would have like brought proper rig. So I finally, I bought a proper like DJ rig and it's something I've been kind of like, I just threw myself into and just taught myself how to do. I mean, I've been using lots of different um, production software and everything for years and years, but I've never just been like, okay, I'm just going to DJ. And so I've been doing that a bit recently and it's been so much fun to just pick the music that I'm listening to and to mix and to like make a party happen while it not all riding on my own, (laughs) you know, my own music and my own like personal emotions. Um, Cause I haven't put a record out in a while. So I'm working on, new stuff but it's been really freeing to just try something new and see how it goes and like just have fun and kind of take the pressure off yeah I I would imagine that like when it's your music that you're putting out everything counts so much and it's like once it's once it's published it's out there and you're not you you can't change it yeah and it's like it's your it's your voice it's your writing it's your ideas it's everything and then uh i would imagine you know you want to do that sometimes and then it probably feels really great to just like back off a little bit and maybe like it probably feels like going under the radar a little bit right? yeah you're not just like <laughs> in the spotlight so much yeah it's funny like i i played a little mini festival recently with some friends throw um called freak down in Oregon it's like out um by the coast and this beautiful piece of property and it was really small and they asked me like what do you want to do like we know you do all kinds of things what do you want to do and I was like I want to DJ <laughs> actually I want to DJ and then I want to play a songwriter like a singer songwriter set so that's what I did I did both of those things and it was just like really really nice to just get a dance party going yeah 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 yeah, totally. Get it going and keep it going. That's what you did at the yeah. wedding. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it, it was really nice knowing that you like had that under control and the music was perfect <laughs> the whole time. 
<laughs> well, you can't turn your friends down when they're like, you know, the band has ended and they're like, we want to keep going. You know, you're the guy. So we plug in the giant speakers to my freaking iPhone and you just got to wing it. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, we might as well just <laughs> do this a little more properly than that. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It, it definitely uh it wasn't lacking in any <laughs> that's for sure um so with this djing now are you on ableton to no i've been DJing using um i've been using tractor for the djing which is a native instruments uh controller slash dj program uh just kind of like easing in um i'm not gonna buy like a three thousand dollar pioneer setup just yet but knowing me, if it keeps going the way it's going, that's kind of how it goes with gear. I'm like, okay, we're in, and now I want the big bad boy. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but kind of just trying it out and um, been having a lot of fun, just like learning a new program, teaching myself a new program, and um, and mixing and like you know blending songs and figuring out all the kind of like nuances of, uh, you know, beat matching and key matching and like the, you know, messing with effects and fade ins, fade outs and all that fun stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm wondering if you would tell us just like go back into your origin story with music and like where it all started and then how it, how it developed. Oof. I mean, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> all the way. All the way. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, okay. What was the first notable moment uh, <laughs> that you had with music? Like performing or in life? In life. In life. Um, ooh. Um, my parents are big music fans. Like they are the people who like every year they're like, we have a full Red Rocks lineup. Like they're, they're like going to all the coolest shows still they're you know like in their 70s <laughs> and i'm just like always jealous in the summer because like oh yeah we're going to see you know they saw like bon Iver and feist and like um you know like gregory allen isakov and like bonnie raid and like they just they're just always like oh yeah we're going to this show you know and then they call <laughs> me and brag about it um but that's kind of how they've, they've always been so there's always been good really good music going on around the house um and specifically like really good songwriters um so I grew up listening to like you know my dad is uh is an old school deadhead you know but also I grew up listening to like Tracy Chapman and Bonnie Raitt and you know Bruce Springsteen and like Paul Simon and yeah Dylan and you know all these um prolific songwriters really and musicians and um my mom played classical guitar when I was growing up and uh we were driving to soccer practice one day <laughs> and she's like I think it's time for you to learn an instrument you should learn piano like your friends and uh I was just like everyone I know plays piano I don't want to play piano um I want to play guitar like you so we started going to lessons together and her her teacher took me on as well. So we would go back to back and I was like six and a half when I started playing guitar. So nice. 
um, we started doing like classical duets for Christmas recitals and shit like that <laughs> in our matching sweaters and <laughs> <laughs> nice. my little footstool and my three quarter length guitar. Um, but then I, uh, I learned a blues scale one day from like a pentatonic blues scale from my guitar teacher and like my brain exploded. I was like, wait a second. Like I can do that. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be this like reading, you know, sheet music and just like playing, you know, to me, classical music was just irrelevant to my ears <laughs> as a small human in the nineties. So <laughs> and once that kind of like that thing that like spark just crossed that threshold, I was like, oh shit, like I can play what I like. And then it kind of just like, I was like, well, I don't want to play classical guitar anymore, you know? So I got a Strat for like my 11th birthday and a $50 amp, you know, that had just like a volume knob and a distortion button, much to my parents' chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like stand in the living room and I became obsessed with blues, um, initially like B.B. King and um, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Bonnie Raitt in particular. Like I love her so much to this day. Um and I would just stand in the living room and try to figure out kind of like what key things were in and, you know, try to work out some solos. Um, yeah. And then I started going to some shows uh, with my folks. And I think one of the first shows I ever saw was at Fiddler's Green in Colorado. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And it was B.B. Um, King and um, Buddy Guy and dr john it was like a crazy lineup of you know these icons and i met buddy guy after the show and i was like this little like tomboy blonde baby gay with a bowl cut you know like still in my soccer uniform <laughs> <laughs> from like that day when my parents picked me up to go to the show and i was just like oh my god you're buddy guy and he just looked at me and said, it's good to see young folks still like my music. <laughs> he just grinned so big, just being like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, That's great. Yeah. You made his day. <laughs> yeah. So um, guitar really is the first, like, first love for me in terms of playing. And um, it still is like what anchors me in uh instruments like in terms of melody and everything and just how I write um but yeah I played saxophone for about 10 years in um jazz band marching band all that stuff we had a really amazing competitive marching band at my high school and then I was a beatboxer for the girls' acapella groups at my high school. Yeah. <laughs> we were, like, doing the competitive, like, vocal jazz circuit uh, acapella stuff in high school. Can um, you still beatbox? Could you bust yeah. that right now if you want to? <laughs> right now, I could. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel like it, I mean, okay. you, you dig it. I mean, I don't know if my microphone's... Let's see if it peaks here. 
Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. I like it. That's great. I've done all kinds of things, but that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then like that was so you had the guitar and then the saxophone, and those are more like the melody of music. And then beatboxing brings in the beat for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And then where do you go from there? Um, so I went to college in Durango and I started taking a bunch of um philosophy classes. I was majoring in philosophy and then um history and social issues it really just getting my mind blown open by some very passionate professors who were actually dropping some knowledge about what was really going on in the world which I feel like up until that point hadn't (laughs) really you know hadn't happened in school and I um kind of got the veils lifted in terms of you know like social justice issues and like you know history and and just really like expanding my mind more than you know like things that I knew that I was hungry for but didn't have any context for seeking until that point and then it was like oh and I feel like um I just started to kind of get so fired up that I started really writing um song lyrics like on the sides of my philosophy notes so I would just I was just kind of like bubbling with ideas and you know, just that first uh, burst of like freedom, you know, when you're 18 anyway, and doing lots of fucking around and finding out and (laughs) (laughs) exploring the Southwest and being in really beautiful places a lot with new people and just kind of figuring out like what I wanted to say. And I feel like that was kind of the beginning of like my own exploration of music and especially songwriting and what that was because until that point I'd been um, especially in school in really competitive music environments and I you know it was always about like classical training and um, competitions and all this kind of stuff and this was just like I knew that I didn't want to go to a music school because I was afraid it would ruin it for me like I was afraid like I didn't want to be I didn't want to di- dissect things that much. Like I I wasn't that interested in like the math or the theory of it. Like I wanted to just feel it more for myself. So I feel like that's kind of what started happening when I went to college. Nice. It's too bad that it's like that, that, uh, cause that it's, that it's kind of either or because if you, if you put in more time and energy into something, it should make you more developed overall but but yeah if it's like a classical competitive like sort of like like a you know in the painting or art world it's like the equivalent would be like the french academy you know this is how Mm -hmm. it should be done and it's like technical and if it's not like this then it's wrong or bad or and then the opposite is like abstract art yeah (laughs) exactly just seeing what sticks yeah somewhere in the middle it'd be a really good spot yeah I mean I have you know and I have friends like now who are kind of all over the place in terms of where they fall on that spectrum but um 
I find that like with the friends that are so classically trained that they can like, you know, just like play any song off the bat or uh, transpose something on the fly. Like they actually have a really hard time. Um, and I know these are like broad generalizations, but from people like that telling me like they have a hard time just like letting go to write a song because um there's like too much technicality involved at a certain point uh and i i think the further that i've gotten into production and especially working um for other people and trying to you know help them figure out chord progressions or bridges or all that stuff like the fluency and the foundation of my theory knowledge from when I was young and from band and from all these competitive things is definitely kicking in to a degree that I never I was like oh okay like this is kind of wild that it's it's been like under the surface I think and now I'm like oh okay like there is a fluency and a proficiency there that has been built but um and it is productive for you in that yeah 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 but I feel like it's always trying to find the balance between just like how does it feel you know and um like making the smart moves about where to go next yeah yeah I can definitely relate to that uh I went to CSU and got a degree in art and you know went through art history one two and three and then painting all the way through and then drawing all the way through and got a double degree and there's just so much um like mental technical stuff and like cognitive thinking and philosophical thinking about stuff about art where you know in the academic setting it's it's very much in your head and not as much in your heart and then in the real in like out in the normal world um there's so many different kinds of artists from different kinds of backgrounds. And like of all the professional artists I know, not, I would say like only 20% actually have a degree in it, um, which is a weird thing, but, and the rest of them, like they're kind of like making it on the fly. And for me, it, it's been like, my journey has been one of trying to like quiet my mind and not overanalyze it or not just like, rely on the technical aspects of my art like like I want more content and more like more essence to it like and that's something that some some people who didn't go and get a degree just like it's just in them like that their art all it it's all content or all like um just like heart you know and and uh yeah yeah, I think I often think about it in terms of like linguistics or something like trying to teach people Spanish, for instance, by like reading books and reading verbs like you're can any of us remember how to speak Spanish from high school Spanish? Like, no, right. you know, like it's when you're in the moment and you have to do it like um, when you're in the middle of Mexico City trying to find the right bus <laughs> you know that you're like oh okay and even if you're not good at it you can you know you can put those pieces together like it has to happen for you it has to happen on a personal level in order for things to like stick and then you develop that nuance and like that fluency 
um, and that like ability to connect with people because otherwise I mean <laughs> yeah it's all just it's all just grammar lessons and I, I feel like music is is similar yeah definitely um okay so continue on your your journey for us okay so where did I leave off college um yeah and let's see then had you made any had you had you like recorded any songs at this point <laughs> no but I started like this funny little coffee shop trio uh, that was like two acoustic guitars and like some congas oh god it's so embarrassing to think about now um <laughs> <laughs> but we started playing like little coffee shop shows and like writing songs together and that was kind of the first like little like band moment I think we made a little album in someone's garage for six hundred dollars the whole thing <laughs> nice yeah at that time felt like a ton of money all that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that moment of just like working on something like that and working out songs like with people made me realize like oh this wasn't just a hobby like this wasn't just something that's fun um but that's like what I wanted to do with my life um so I kind of uh, at the time sussed it out with those guys and I I think that they were just kind of like yeah I mean it's fun you know but I was like I'm I'm doing this and I went on a road trip to California with some hippie friends of mine <laughs> early, <right. laughs> early 2000s you know um, and at the time like my favorite band was strange Cheese incident being a colorado kid you know yep. <laughs> a little little colorado hippie kid um myself i went on this road trip and um we saw this band i went to my first festival ever called joshua tree music festival which is still going on in joshua yeah, tree. yeah. love that uh, festival this is like 2004 or five <laughs> and um uh there's this band Hamsalila that um is from California and uh they play kind of like world music and they used to do these like long like trancey sets um from like midnight to sunrise kind of things at, at festivals and we were driving out to California um we were driving through the desert in Arizona on this road trip uh like in the first few hours and it had rained and so everything was like looming and it was green there was rainbows in the desert and like my friend in the front seat just turned around and was like you're gonna be on stage before the end of this trip and I was like what are you talking about like what do you mean he's like I don't know you just are <laughs> and so, like through a series of wild events I ended up sitting in with this band Tom Salila beatboxing yeah at joshua tree and um drummer for string cheese michael travis who's still a good friend of mine and jamie janover and my buddy aaron holstein who were all in a band together called zilla at the time um were watching that set and saw me sit in with them and they were like they came and talked to me afterwards and i was so starstruck because i was like this 19 year old 
hippie kid whose favorite band was string cheese so when travis came and talked to me i was like oh my god what's happening you know totally (laughs) um (laughs) and they were like oh my gosh who are you like what is going on why don't know what you know who you are and they were like you need to come sit in with us with zilla um they're like our next show is on june 4th in colorado and i was like well that's my 20th birthday actually so (laughs) that's kind of how like this one little spark of like me sitting in with this with this band Hobbs Leela and then the Zilla guys saw me and then after that like Travis invited me to Horning's Hideout to sit in with Zilla at Horning's Hideout which was their big string cheese festival and then I kind of had a psychedelic moment of I'm dropping out of school and I'm going to do this like for real. <laughs> and, yeah. and then, you know, and then eventually I like sat in with string cheese and then, um, yeah. And, you know, and then Jamie, who was in Zilla at the time with Travis, um, Jamie Janover, who plays Hammer Dulcimer. Um, he became my bandmate. Uh, and so we ended up touring our asses off for, years and going all over the world and moving to the bay and yeah so that kind of like that one little moment of just like um yeah just sitting in and beatboxing with this band like changed my whole life and then Travis really especially Travis and Jamie and Aaron like they all just were like who are you like we're gonna do whatever we can to like get you out there and so wow I mean, there's a lot of details, you know, obviously like I'm told the whole thing would take a long time, but yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you, you, you toured the world and at this point, like you're, you're playing your songs and you're, you're like recording albums and playing music off of the albums. And is that what you're doing? Yeah. So I, um, I moved to Boulder from Durango after I, Dropped out of Fort Lewis when I was like uh, three and a half years in or something. <laughs> three years in. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> what were you majoring in? Philosophy. Okay. I was like, what am I going to do with the philosophy degree anyway? I'm going to be a songwriter. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect. laughs> I'm like already doing it. So um, <laughs> uh, this other band from Boulder, Canal, um, they uh, were like, they became friends of mine through similar circles and um they were like we have a bed on our bus we need a merch person for the next tour like what if you open every show and then we like pay you to sell our stuff and I was like oh my god I was 20 years old I was like dream come true done (laughs) you know yeah so it was my first experience of like living on the bus with a bunch of other people and doing the full-on thing um we came back from that run and I kind of landed in Boulder and then uh, I was working on my first record and Jamie uh, came to Jamie Janover came to play Hammer Dulcimer on it in the studio. And, you know, we knew each other from like me sitting in with them a bunch. And um, we kind of he was like, what if we did like a little tour together? And we kind of had this idea to like you know, one of us play a set and the other one play a set and maybe sit in on some things. Um, but he booked a whole run for us. Um, 
through all his connections and then we ended up just playing all the shows together and then we're like well i guess we have a band so <laughs> so that went on for a little bit and then um we moved to the bay area and like really started going for it with that project which was called links and janover at the time nice mm-hmm. sweet and oakland was home base yeah so oakland was home base and it was kind of at uh, it was at a really exciting time in Bay Area life, which was this like burgeoning era of West Coast festivals and um, specifically the kind of like uh, electronic music that, you know, was uh, being born like in that era, like Glitch Mob and, you know, uh bass nectar and like all this you know what year is so this is like 2007 yeah. i think we moved there yeah 2007 2008 so like that era um of like lightning in a bottle was like a thousand person festival at the time you know yeah. like it's now three thirty thousand. yes exactly so went this year <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> all these little, it was this like incubator moment of um, electronic music, which, you know, the Bay has had many incubator moments of art and, you know, uh, obviously 60s, 70s jam band stuff. And then like 90s rave, um, like house music, techno. And then this whole era was kind of like, you know, early 2000s um electronica and like at the time we didn't have the term edm like nobody said that it wasn't a thing (laughs) but there was kind of like you know a lot of those folks and all these underground parties like it was just it was going off like every damn day like there was something going on and people it was really an exciting time like there was definitely a, a collective feeling of like oh my gosh something's happening right now wow that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco has like multiple festivals within the city limits all the time. Like, what? Uh, Outside Lands, and there's hardly strictly blue uh, bluegrass, and there's like, I mean, there's all kinds of you know, all kinds of stuff. But um, street parties and house parties, yeah, and house parties and all kinds of shit. Yeah, and obviously at that time, it feels like that was like a real high point for San Fran- for the Bay Area. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it's had its its ups and downs over the years, but it was before the <laughs> giant uh most recently Google boom and all that stuff. So, it was, right. you know, people could still afford to live there. Right. Um to some degree. <laughs> yeah. So. Um okay, so now you i guess i'm curious so our mutual friend luke matroni mm-hmm. you produced an album for him and i know mm-hmm. you've done some production for other people how did it transition from you as a musician more in that role to a producer um so i met uh the matronis because after jamie and i played together for three years and toured forever i did a solo thing for like five years and I was flying all over the place by myself it was crazy 
I don't recommend it. <laughs> like if you're a solo artist, bring a friend on tour. It's just safer. But anyway, <laughs> money has to be made too. So, um, but I just randomly got booked for Friendly Gathering, which was the festival that they were throwing in Vermont. And I had no idea, you know, who those guys were. Um, I had no idea about connection to you know, burn snowboards or any of that stuff. Um, but being a Colorado kid, you know, I was hyped um, to see that kind of involvement because I'm, you know, uh, a snowboarder. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I ended up in Vermont playing Friendly Gathering and I ended up playing that festival for many years in a row and becoming really good friends with all those folks. And then when Luke moved here, um, I moved to Portland after kind of burning myself out touring for almost 10 years, um, pretty much nonstop. Wow. So, <laughs> and some of that alone, some of that in a duo project, um, you know, literally like, I think one summer Jamie and I did in four months, we did like 25 festivals in five countries over four months like it was and like big things like Shambhala and boom and burning man and like we were in indonesia and japan and holy Portugal shit and you know canada and yeah so <laughs> it was it was great though because he had a he had a um like premier executive status on united from all the traveling we did so we would end up getting bumped to first class all the time and like the guys in the first class lounge in Tokyo did not know what to make of our <laughs> burning man asses. In. <laughs> Just like That's what awesome. are these freakish like elf people doing in here. Um, <laughs> as we had quite the hairdos and garb. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah. From festival to festival. Like yeah. You're... The reality you were living in was very different than very different. average Japanese first class writer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, so I moved to Portland and I, I kind of pulled myself out of out of the scene, as it were. I just needed a change and I wanted to be somewhere that was still a city and that was queer enough. <laughs> because that's a requisite for me uh, in my life. And then somewhere where I could also like snowboard and, you know, be outside and go camping and stuff. So this place, of course, <laughs> has all those things. And it's kind of, I've been through Portland many, many, many times, you know, been up and down the coasts and all over the country many times. So I've really gotten to see the country, which I feel very lucky to have done. Um, but it's kind of everything I love about the West Coast and Colorado, you know, the yeah. one place. So um, I ended up here and I ended up needing to like slow down and I wanted to start a different musical project. And so that meant that I had to earn a living a different way. So I kind of started putting feelers out there to maybe work on other people's stuff. And um, Luke, who I had known from friendly gathering and all that uh ended up here too so we kind of just converged at the right time and he was like i think i'm just gonna can you teach me ableton i'm gonna make a record and i was like yeah i mean i can or like i have 
at the time I had, you know, uh, 12 or 13 years experience already with Ableton. So, um, I was like, or we could just make it together and you don't have to like start learning the program from scratch and try to make a record at the same time. Like we can just do that together. So we became really good friends and, and took like a year and a half to make his album. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's so much to it to like learn that. And then also, uh, like, make an album <laughs> yes yeah. that would be so much <laughs> yeah well it turned out great we love that album thank you Haley and i listened to it a million bazillion times <laughs> <laughs> awesome it was definitely it was my first big project like doing something start to finish for somebody else and um yeah i consider luke like a brother of mine for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Definitely. You get close in the album making process, <laughs> or or not. I mean, you know, it's but <laughs> right, right. But yeah. yeah, I mean, creative collaborators. You like you really get to know somebody's like heart and soul in a different way. Definitely, and you know, it's hard work. It's really hard work. I think, like my dad thinks, like, why is this taking so long? Like, don't you just go in a room and like hit the red button? Yeah, and, like no no <laughs> like I at some point yes but that is not exactly how that goes I'm sure you know people kind of think the same thing about painting it's like well you just what it's just like brush and you just you just do it right it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's layers a lot. a lot of layers to it all <laughs> yes many many layers yeah that's fun and then uh so then where, what's next? Where, where are you going with everything? That kind of is the question of the moment. <laughs> um, a lot has happened in my life uh, since I moved here, but especially in the last few years. And I mean, I don't even know where to begin to describe that, but <laughs> it's kind of like anything about someone's life that can change kind of has changed um in a very short amount of time too but also things I've been trying to change for a long time have kind of come together um so um I am definitely writing and I have been writing for the last while and I'm also kind of wondering what's next in terms of you know performing or putting something out or I don't know, kind of in a interesting place, but I definitely want to put out another record. It's been a long time. It's been ooh, way too long of a time. Oh, it's been six years now. So like I'll, so much has changed that I'm not even that person at all anymore. And so it's always interesting to think about sonically remaking yourself from where you're at without like also forgetting the past and trying to find that balance of like telling those stories and then telling this one. So I think that's why we're never done. Right. <laughs> yeah. And why uh, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, you know, are basically reinventing themselves every like six or seven years. Yeah. Um, Cause you're a new you and like so much happens in that amount of time. <laughs> Go from like, there's, there's major phases in your life that you go through and you know, your early twenties are so different than your late twenties than your mid thirties and your forties, everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> like the, the cliff notes are kind of wild to even just think about, but like since like the winter of 22, I, so like just, I guess, I guess the winter of 20, oh man, now I'm losing time. <laughs> I'm thinking of, okay so it's almost been two years so like since like a year and a half ago um I had a major relationship of like six and a half years and um I got top surgery <laughs> I uh got sober I have a new partner I um I've done this training and started this um other job alongside what I'm doing musically and then I'm trying to also like you know write songs and um <laughs> keep up with myself so uh and also just like figuring out some mental health stuff and like therapy and all kinds of things so um it's a little bit daunting sometimes I think to uh think about like oh my gosh how do I even begin to tell the story of all those things that's just like a year and a half of that chunk but I think when it comes down to it um the things that I'm writing right now are doing that like they're telling that that story you know and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself especially lyrically but right now I'm finding this spot of really liking like a little bit more minimal uh, of an approach lyrically to like yes have the feelings and set the stage but to also really focus on the musical layers for telling the other like emotional parts of those stories and not having it all ride on this kind of more folky approach which has been my way in the past yeah like when you say you have you put pressure on yourself lyrically is that like a technical pressure or like what What do you mean exactly I mean my gods are Joni Mitchell and Paul Simon and you know like Leonard Cohen and Tom Waits and um you know just like uh those people like I'm always fascinated um by how songwriters can weave that poetry and like ride that golden line of of grief and of hope um and build these like landscapes that are these songs that are these stories um that are timeless and that you know hit different depending on the day or where you're driving or you know how many times you've heard it like it just the mastery of that craft is something that is like dear to me so yeah. no pressure <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're like in the shadow of these greats and no pressure the need to stick up in it right yeah, yeah that's not easy <laughs> and how does one work through that i mean i feel that too and you know like you want you want to be great but then if you put the pressure on yourself to be great as you're making something it's like you like squash the seedling before it even can grow into the tree that you want it to be 
Mm-hmm. It's like such a delicate balance. You know, like you need an incubator for little plants. Do you, in your writing process, are you like, do you try to write regularly or are you like a lightning storm writer? <laughs> the second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely the lightning storm writer. Um, yeah, but I think, I think there's got a balance there too. Like, I think, I think I would have more storms per se, if I had a little bit more of a practice too. Um, but I mean, there's nothing like a, a true strike of inspiration, you know, (laughs) um, and kind of like catching that you know electrical thing which actually yeah is like uh one of the songs i'm writing right now it's called flash flood and this is very much like of the ilk (laughs) of the storm um i guess i write a lot of songs about storms but that's the latest one (laughs) yeah i think it's appropriate in these days and times (laughs) um but i think like when clients are you know worried especially like when I'm sort of coaching other people on how you know where that balance is I'm always like the thing I'm always thinking is like do you mean it like do you mean it like whatever you're saying is it coming from a real place like does it have even if you're only saying two words is there something attached to those roots like you're saying like this plant thing like maybe this thing only has two leaves right but is there is there a story under there like what is underneath like what is tethered to you know these bigger themes in your life or story in general like because people will feel that you know and the example I use often just because it's known too but also because I love funny right (laughs) is you know it's like I can't make you love me like that like I've seen her play that song a bunch of times and she goes there every time she sits down and she is like almost in tears and her rhinestone jeans just belting it out every damn time you know and people like Adele and you know like that it's right there and so it's about accessing like that initial feeling and people who you know have sung those songs like thousands and thousands of times like can still do that and to me that's you know what matters most is like is it, it do you mean it is it real like where is it coming from wow awesome <laughs> powerful that's Thanks. inspiring too that's really cool um yeah i'm like thinking about that in in my own art and my own practice it's really good um now it's time in the podcast for us to go into the question section okay hit me you ready for these so there's four questions that we ask everybody for season four question one is who in the world throughout time it can be from any time period would you want to do a collaboration with goodness choosing one person feels like a crime (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. you can say two or three if you want man you know fucking paul simon 
Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just obsessed with, especially Rhythm of the Saints is one of those like desert island picks for me. Like if I could listen to one thing forever, I would never be mad about that. Like not only the absolute mastery of songwriting, but the, the rhythmic, you know, just amazing melodic stuff. And, um, yeah, just, I don't, I don't even know how to describe, but, uh, that, I think that would be, that would be pretty wild. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. Paul Simon's a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, all right. All right. Now question number two is, uh, where would you like to see things be in five years from now? Like what kind of things, bro? This is your question and you can answer that question however you like to see things be like or the creative things (laughs) up to you you're not gonna you're not gonna give me okay take it and run with it however you want (laughs) you're just gonna crack (laughs) that wide open huh uh five years from now yeah Mm. i have been having quite the love affair with lots of like european uh music like specifically artists i can think of off the top of my head are like pablo nouvelle um and um nils from and like all this other like just beautiful like cinematic but electronic kind of crossover stuff um and also like some like house deep house stuff like that like i really I do want to spend some time over there. I really want to go to Berlin. Um, I really want to, you know, go be a gay in Berlin and, you know, uh, sip my coffee and eat my German pastries and, you know, work with my synthesizers. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I would love to be doing a good mix of, of like performing, recording and, um and probably some recovery coaching too but yeah i want to i want to be an international gay yeah (laughs) that's basically it (laughs) yeah i like that (laughs) international is really fun and Uh, a gay of mystery (laughs) yeah Yeah, just doing your thing everywhere wherever like and Europe is so cool. It's so just open and fun and free and like Europeans just kind of like groove to a different beat. And especially in certain like standout places. Yeah, I really like the like more experimental um and cinematic kind of uh electronic music approaches. Um and also just uh, cultures of listening and deep, deep respect for art, you know, and beautiful historic venues. I also have a love of, you know, like old theaters. And I mean, you see like some of these, some of these parties that are thrown are like, <laughs> in like ruins of Roman cities and shit. It's like, that's what's up. <laughs> 
yeah they're so rad like oh my god and rome specifically brought that up like rome is incredible because you can like be on one block and then there's these ruins that are like three thousand years old and then you go on another block and then there's this like ultra modern like museum that's gorgeous and has like cool modern art and rome's a fun rome's like an incredible place um okay cool uh next question number three is this is an advice piece so for aspiring creatives that's with a capital c creatives of all backgrounds and genres and styles uh what would you say is the most important thing to focus on i think the most important thing to focus on is what are you trying to say what are you trying to get at i think it's really easy to get overwhelmed and kind of overridden with a feeling of having to keep up of course in the rat race uh, that is you know capitalist cultures <laughs> um but also just in uh, comparison games especially with art um i think the more true and authentic that you can stay you know to yourself and to what you're saying of course we're all going to be influenced but like really uh, developing that like deep listening skill um I kind of I kind of think about it like you're like tending to a spring and it's like that's the thing that if you keep feeding that thing with inside yourself like it's going to keep feeding you and then creating that that kind of feedback loop with your own voice yeah nice yeah that's great advice <laughs> i like that i like that it's like it's the spring that you know if you tend to it it'll tend to you you give to it it'll give to you it's like and uh it's cool because it's this uh, the metaphor of a spring is it's like coming up from underneath the surface and just like gushing out mm -hmm. and uh if you make sure that it's like taken care of then it's like your your heart space is just going to keep on pouring out creativity yeah i think um people will often ask me like are you afraid like when you make something good for someone else that like you're giving something of yours away you know like something of yours that could be good that you're giving away and I think like that mentality is very much of the capitalist mindset right and um, scarcity you know mindset but I don't think that music or love you know works that way really it's it's like I think I used to be afraid that that could happen um but I find that the more that I um you know give like the more that I bring to life musically no matter what it is and especially helping other people bring their songs to life too like I'm finding that echo of, into my own music in big ways in big big ways um, and there's a lot less of that, like, um, mindset, even for myself, when I sit down and make something like, I'm not worried that, you know, I'll never have a good idea again. I'm just like, 
<laughs> if not this one, then the next, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I 100% feel the same. And I feel like the more you do things, the more you, it, like it's a muscle and yeah. you know, it's a spring that you, once you get it open, keep it going. It's just going to yeah. keep going more. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and like, the more time and energy you're you're putting into it, the more ideas are gonna spawn off and bring, you know, like you're putting in work on other people's albums and then you're gonna hear something that then connects for something that you're working in. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay, cool. Now we're on to the fourth question, and this is the big one. The big one. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for that. My radio voice will. It's really good. <laughs> Welcome to the big show. <laughs> I think I might have a new co-host. This is great. <laughs> Why don't we bring them on down, Taylor? <laughs> oh, uh, perfect. Uh, okay, so um, what is your definition of art? Oh, Lord. It is the big one. Okay. <laughs> Art. <clears throat> well, I think that <clears throat> these things that we call art, like painting, music, um, specifically, you know, whatever, uh, textiles, um, fashion, you know, these things, like, they're old human things that have origins and like these more kind of mm, sectioned off uh you know genres or mediums or whatever um are more an artifact of modern life rather than um, what they have been originally and are to many people, especially indigenous people um, today, you know, like songs are as old as humans. Um, painting, you know, I was just watching a documentary recently, you know, like those cave paintings, like paintings are as old as humans, you know, they're older than humans. And, so, you know, like this, um, and it's not just about expression. It's also, it's about the stories of your time, of your culture, of where you are, you know, of the animals, of everything. So these kind of like abstracted notions of like, okay, yeah, I paint, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a, you know, whatever. It's a leather worker, you know, they're all just vestiges of, of older and in some places still intact human things and i think that we forget that um that you know these things belong to everyone <laughs> if you're a human being you're you know like story storytelling uh songs you know music you know painting like it it all belongs to all of us you know all of all of it has some kind of lineage that we're drawing from um and if you dig into like ethnomusicology in that way too um you know 
when you start looking, it's just, you know, connecting the dots is amazing. So, um, I think that we just, you know, we can't forget and we can't pretend that like, we're just making things out of nowhere. Like that's, that's not possible. Um, like we're always taking from what came before or, you know, uh, or what's around us. So, you know, yeah. Singing songs. Like if you can talk, you can sing. like you're a human being, you eat food, you know, like there's culture in every spice and every, you know, every word has a story, has an origin. So no big deal, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So sum it up for us in in one sentence. Uh, Super casual, fragile mystics. Um, I mean, art is like being alive, it's being a human being, you know. Um, creative. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's creative. Life is creative. It's you're creating life. Like everything is creative. It is, you know. I I think what I'm interested in is like how do I use my time here to bring more to life? Like how much can I bring to life while I'm here? Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Creativity, create like you're creating energy, life, unique experience. That's pretty damn good. Thanks dude. <laughs> I told you I was a philosophy major. I was just gonna get existential in two point five seconds. That's, what I was up. that's why you're here. That's what, that's what we're going God for. Damn it, Link, pull me out of this black hole. <laughs> uh, cool. All Where's right, Morgan sweet. Freeman when I need him? You know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Get him talking. I'm I'm on that ride. Let's go. What is time, Terry? <laughs> yes, now we're getting somewhere really good. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, this is the part um, of the podcast where I thank my guest. And I want to say thank you for being on this podcast. Um, yeah, it's really fun to meet you in person. It was fun to meet you in person at the wedding. And uh because we we've heard so much about you and I've heard we've listened to your music and your musical influence so much and um it's been really cool to meet you in person and then we got to sit next to each other for dinner and uh we had a great time like that night was just perfect and it was awesome and it was really fun but, to get to know you yeah so, well, thank you. so uh and it was really cool hearing about your story holy shit like you you've lived the life you've done it all and <laughs> you're still doing it and uh, it's really cool Thank you. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Um, Do you want to tell everyone where they can uh, hear your music, your musical productions of various kinds and sorts and where they can follow you? Yeah. um, So on Instagram, it's at links Demuth. That's L-Y-N-X-D-E-M-U-T-H. It's also just linksdemuth.com. And on Spotify, it's links Demuth. 
There you go. Hopefully have some fresh hot tracks for you later in the spring. Oh, I'm excited about that. See the new version of you that will emerge. Oh, yes. (laughs) Will they be? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's what we're waiting on. Um, Cool. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, Before we do that, can you just hit us with one more little wisdom bomb just off the cuff? Oh, off the cuff. You want that? You want that off the cuff wisdom? Yeah. Oh, geez. (sighs) Wasn't right to me. Philosophizer Bush right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wisdom bomb. I don't know, man. I think. Yeah, don't underestimate what you can bring and how that might affect other people. And you may never know how far that reaches. So the most important thing is to just make something beautiful. That's great. Bro. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right. Thanks to you. Dropping wisdom. We'll be right back. <laughs> Part two is brought to you by Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California. This place is my favorite coffee shop on the West Coast, and the coffee is the best. They roast all their own coffees from around the world and have a roasting collective for the local coffee making community. Check them out in the village of Carlsbad or order their beans online at steadystateroasting.com. And we're back. All right. Links. How you doing? Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever feel nerves on stuff like this? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. You get butterflies on this one? Uh, so many butterflies. Actually, I think there were moths. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. I think it's lunar moths of some <laughs> kind. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> do you get nervous going on stage i mean it just depends on the situation like usually it's like um yeah nervous but excited yeah but they're the same kind of thing in those situations for me at least not always in life <laughs> yeah. yeah it's uh i feel like when you're when you're doing your thing that you're like driven to do and you practice and you you know you're excited about it and it's like the it's not a nerves that is like crippling although some people have you know talk about that too and maybe if i was doing stuff at a crazy high level with like ninety thousand people watching that would feel different (laughs) yeah i mean for me the bigger the crowd like the less nervous i am because you can't really see people that much it's just like a sea of screaming like ah but when you can actually see people up close it's like the smaller shows that i definitely get more nervous about because you can see every little reaction on people's faces wow yep and i'm just like "Mm." (laughs) yeah so intimate that way yeah yeah interesting um yeah well uh this is part two this is just free flow what, what, what do you want to talk about? What's on your mind these days? 
You're the interviewer, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like to open it up, see if you want to say. <laughs> uh, I'm curious about. Okay, so like, you are sober now. Yeah. And you lived a life of touring and mm-hmm. going to festivals. Mm-hmm. And uh, little known fact for the listener: festivals sometimes have various substances paraphernalias yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently <laughs> there's some paraphernalias <laughs> so uh yeah involved? yeah yeah the uh the music business is notorious for its health and wellness uh situation right yeah no. No. oh my god uh, yeah hand in hand i'm afraid um yeah it's a wild situation too sort of grow into yourself in um for better or for worse i mean you know i definitely figured out <laughs> uh who i am and i figured out that i can like you know a little colorado kid can like land in the middle of new york city and just like figure out where i need to be and it's like not a problem by myself you know but um also a lot of those years were spent yeah like drinking a lot of tequila and doing all kinds of shit and um feeling like shit a lot Uh, i mean there's nothing worse than being hungover on airplanes like it's just yeah it's the worst um and like just barely scraping yourself you know back together to get to the next thing or to get to the set or feeling hungover on stage or something like that um and you know touring as much as i did and being a part of the scenes that i was in like i considered myself quite moderate which i was (laughs) um and it wasn't really until i stopped touring that like the way that i was drinking and partying uh kind of like it got brought to my attention that that wasn't like quite (laughs) like a normal day-to-day thing um (laughs) so like compared to the average american (laughs) i guess but like who's to say now i don't know i mean who's to say i think i think people probably drink too much in general especially in this country i don't know i just think the you know the media stuff is really intense like every single show you're seeing like everything from wine moms to don draper you know whatever it's just the glorification is real and it's everywhere um and the music business is the same way and every rock and roll movie you've ever seen is like some fucking terrible situation of (laughs) use and abuse and um what have you unfortunately um so yeah, I've been on my own journey of reckoning with all that and uh, tried to get sober for a few years. Well, I started going to therapy really for the first time um, <laughs> after having like rolling panic attacks. Um, just, uh, what was it, four or five months before the pandemic? So I... Um, Were yeah, you touring at that time? I I had done some festivals that that summer 
Um, and those were kind of the last big ones that I've done actually. Yeah. And it was just like, as I got older, I would go harder and harder at those things because I was doing them um, less, but then just going harder, like just feeling like bitter um, and kind of, I don't know. Um, I don't know, bitter, overwhelmed. A lot of it was social anxiety too. And just um, a lot of things I didn't know about myself yet, which is that I do have ADHD and I do have an anxiety disorder so um those are things I just have figured out in the last few years and then um also a gigantic part of all of that was um me realizing that uh I am not a lesbian I am a trans person (laughs) I am non-binary and um living in a body that I didn't feel at home in um for basically my whole life was kind of killing me so um so I tried to get sober for like three years I think before I had top surgery and then I had top surgery just over a year ago um it was July of 22 and I got drunk one time after that like a month after and I was starting to feel better um and I had a pretty intense bender and uh felt like garbage and I um had some good talks with some good friends but also just also realized that I don't ever want to feel that dissociated from my body again like I like how I feel and that I'm here on earth like really in many ways um for the first time so I haven't had a drink um or anything else uh since so uh, it's been just over 14 months now. Yeah. Or just about to be 14 months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now in your body, you feel, you feel better. You feel more like yourself, right? That's what, that's what you were telling me at the wedding. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, I feel I feel more like myself in a way that um, it's almost like I've been living behind some weird fog or like in some kind of dreamscape, like until recently, until like having top surgery and getting sober kind of hand in hand. Um, And now it's just like, I'm just here. I'm here. And not that things aren't like hard or, you know, life is still going to life, but um, I'm not trying to escape myself at all. Uh, and so my life has changed in just about every way that it can um, for the better. And um, with that intentionally also making a lot of sober friends and putting myself out there and going to meetings and doing things that made me really uncomfortable at first. Um, but that now are like joy in my life too. And, um, especially intentionally making new, like trans sober friends too, and seeking out community in a way that, um, I've always kind of just like fallen into 
you know, groups of people. And I've always had friends in many different circles, but now I'm like, this is something I need in my life in order to maintain. It's like people who see me feel me and have been through similar things. We don't have to explain ourselves around each other. We can just like be together. Um, so yeah. 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 And it seems like after a, like a restructuring, like becoming sober, uh, yeah, there's like, you have to really like fill out your whole social world in a different way. And like your, you know, your habits, your lifestyle, your daily, whatever the fuck you do, like all the things, like, it's like this to that, you gotta like probably rebuild from the ground up. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it is a daunting task, um, at first and it doesn't happen overnight at all, but, um, you know, I personally am not an AA guy for many reasons. Um, but you know, one of them being that, uh, yeah, I grew up in a very conservative town. So the God stuff just doesn't work for me, but I've found other groups. There's lots of cool stuff out there. Um, recovery Dharma is a cool, uh, group that's more Buddhist based and they do meditations and stuff. Um, I go to a meeting called Ben's friends, which is all for, um, food and beverage people, like people in the restaurant business and um, bartenders. And then also in my group here in Portland, there's a bunch of musicians and there's some musicians from some really famous bands in town that are also in that group. Um, and I have found that particular group for me has worked really well um, because it's smaller and because everybody works in these like either performance or customer service like facing jobs so they're just always having to you know uphold a face to get through and to like you know and serving people so um anyway it's just a really cool group of people but um there's no no dogma no you know um higher power stuff or anything like that and no no shade to anybody who that works for i have a lot of friends who who um 12-step programs really really work for and I do go to some 12-step meetings because of the community um even though I'm not uh say a 12-stepper myself uh but there's there's all kinds of things out there now um but I think the biggest thing whatever it is is community because I tried to do it myself um and it just doesn't work (laughs) right yeah i could see i could see that yeah it's i mean that like from the outside from hearing from all the 12 step stuff and um it's like community is the thing that gets people through and like and it's so cool because it speaks to the higher element of us as people that like community is so integral to uh to life and without that we're just like we're just not the same yeah and i don't think uh i mean one of the coolest things is like they're decentralized like all these meetings are not you know it's not a corporate entity like it's um people switch off who's leading um people are sharing like when else do you get to sit in a room full of like strangers or strangers who become friends and just be like vulnerable and look into each other's eyes and you're and get to share without people having an opinion about what you're sharing right back at you you know like just getting to put it out there and then people can take 
what they want, you know? Yeah. Leave the rest. And um, I think the format itself, you know, just like having those spaces to have a moment, to have a moment, to just talk about, you know, what's going on in life is something really amazing that um, everyone could benefit from. Yeah, there's a ton of power in just expressing your current or past experience and then having somebody listen mm-hmm. like that right <laughs> there is so powerful definitely i went to a men's group last week and there was a thing where you, you know like it's just like talking for a minute and then the person standing there tells you what they heard you say like mm-hmm. there's no advice there's no like I think you should do that or, you know, any really response, real response. It's like, I hear what you're saying mm-hmm. and it, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so now you're a mentor. What's that like? So I'm, um, I am working as a recovery coach, recovery mentor at a recovery high school. Um, and, uh, the whole high school itself is for kids who are in recovery and trying to deal with their substance issues. Um, and so teenagers, um, like 15 to 18 ish. Um, and this job, uh, fell in my lap through a friend from a meeting. Um, and last winter, when I was kind of trying to figure out, I don't know, just what I wanted to do next, but I'm always kind of curious and just learning more. I did a training, um, which was called a peer wellness specialist training. And it's all for people, um, who have had lived experience who are wanting to help and, um, be like a peer support worker. Um, whether that's like with, you know, whatever their lived experience population is. So that can be like with homeless people or with, you know, um, just, yeah, different, different folks. And, um, that training was really interesting. And then I was, I went ahead and got my, uh, certified recovery mentor, um, certification and, uh, and then this job kind of fell into my lap. So I'm just in the first few weeks of school here and, <laughs> uh, and figuring it out, figuring out a whole new thing. Um, but a lot of these kids are also, you know, very creative and, um, <clears throat> just have a lot going on in life. Lots and lots of, you know, just, rough stuff going on and uh so it's a really cool thing that um they get to be in a place where you know there's coaches on staff um the principal herself is in recovery um a lot of us who work there are in recovery and so there's a general atmosphere of like community and um and teamwork and just trying to get them through to through high school to the next thing yeah wow that's amazing (laughs) because i mean it would be so hard if you were in that situation in high school and then you're going to a normal high school where a lot you know 
a lot of what goes on in high school on the weekends is yeah not recovery based yeah yeah <laughs> <It's> the opposite <laughs> yeah and a lot of these kids you know um have just had not great experiences at giant schools you know thousands of people they're literally like aren't even noticed if they're not there yeah you know and lots of stuff going on at home and just all kinds of things um it's definitely a huge learning curve for me (laughs) uh but I've been fired up about wanting to be useful um with my lived experience and also especially passionate about showing up for um young queer folks too because of all the bullshit that's going on and continues to go on um with anti-trans legislation and uh (laughs) just the garbage day in and day out um and how hard it is to even like be a teenager anyway but also right just hearing that shit and having other stuff going on at home and all that like i've just i've been pretty fired up about kind of like mm, for lack of a better term like getting in the trenches (laughs) myself um and i'm not sure where i will land um but for right now it's just feels good to be um to be useful and to be able to be available and um people are like oh so you're gonna stop making music I'm like no I gotta stop making music like you know I I imagine like ideally for me it'd be cool to strike a balance between doing some kind of recovery coaching or I don't know part of me is like am I gonna become a therapist like I don't know maybe maybe I don't know I'm not sure that I want to go the clinical route or not but um I don't know. Maybe I'll just move to Berlin and be a deep house DJ. Like who knows? (laughs) Gemini bullshit all the time. Um, (laughs) But um, I do know that it feels good to show up for, um, for folks who need people to show up and be available. And um, I know that if I would have had like elder queers, in my life oh god am I one of those I'm I'm like I'm like the I'm like an elder queer that's such a weird thing to say um, <laughs> <laughs> like to them I am um to them you definitely are oh my god to like, teenagers you know, they're, they're like wait how old are you like I know my baby face they're like oh my god um, so I know I'm like I'm 38 guys <laughs> um they're like no you are I'm like yeah uh I know that that would have made a big difference for me and I probably wouldn't have struggled so hard, you know, later on, just context for any of it. But I also think no matter what happens for them later in life, like they're developing language and context for what's going on for them now, which like can really only be beneficial, you know, whatever they decide later on. Um, like I just learned all this stuff in the last couple of years, you know, like all this language around recovery, all this language around like, you know, emotional attachment uh, issues, all this language around, like even just, I feel like I'm still learning language around, you know, like gender identity and queerness and, you know, and it's ever changing too, but getting a hang of that and getting a handle on um, 
you know, the fact that there are like ways to get through rather than just, you know, numbing yourself out. Um, I think that could, yeah, it's amazing what they're trying to do. So, yeah. That's so, so powerful for people, for young people that are going through challenging experiences to know that like it's possible to get through it and there's ways and yeah language and there's support and examples and everything yeah um and I think so much of it uh like someone else who works there told me when I first came to visit the school he was like so much of it is us just showing up and being available and being consistent and being here and being older people who've like made it through you know and just them knowing that that's possible by us being here you know so I try to keep that in mind when days are (laughs) putting out fires all day and stuff like that so yeah yeah I would imagine that you're there's probably times where you maybe feel like maybe you don't know what to do Mm. but actually the effect of you being there doing the thing is like very powerful yeah I definitely have to keep it in mind when it's you know because it's gonna be it's gonna be different every day so I definitely have to keep it in mind that that's like the baseline it's just like well I'm here yeah and that's sometimes that's all you can say too and um when wild stuff is going on for somebody it's like well I'm here like what can I you know what do you need right now um and I, I mean, I think it very much, it was kind of funny to send off my resume to something like that. Cause it's like <laughs> work for myself forever, music, 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 composition, production, touring, da, 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 da. but actually, you know, like these things are not too different. Um, and, uh, especially producing and like helping people make records and stuff like it very much is a coaching sort of thing. Like helping people to get at their real feelings helping people to get at their you know what they're trying to say and working through like really hard vulnerable stuff and you know all of it it's actually very relevant so I'm finding that I know more about what to do in situations than I thought I would (laughs) um yeah like you might not know the actual like practical I don't know but yeah like the technical application right now but you definitely know the process yeah yeah and like like, yeah it's messy like the thing is that by nature it's messy right and same with same with creative work like it's messy like there isn't a linear path and recovery is very much not a linear thing right Uh, so oops i just kicked my microphone um so you know I mean, the whole, like, not being afraid to, like, fuck up or um, start over or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that from the creative process that definitely apply. (laughs) Like, in fact, in fact, like, I don't know how I would have ever conceived of recovery if I hadn't been already immersed in um a creative process and that's kind of just occurring to me right now as we're talking like oh <laughs> hold that thought uh my computer's about to die 
Stand by. Standing by. Okay, sorry, we're back. Uh, my and we're back. About to die. And we're back. Okay. Um, yeah, that's really interesting though, the like the messiness of it and the messiness of the creative process. And you know, in I'm sure that when you're like making an album, when you're making a song, anything, you're like you've got ideas about this and that and that and that and it's all like laid out on the metaphorical floor and you've got glue stuck to this and that and it's like <laughs> everything's like all over the place yeah <laughs> but then like over a little while the picture starts to take shape the sound starts to come together and like mm -hmm. i'm sure that it'll be really interesting for you uh, like in a reflection looking back on this school year that you're uh, that you're just starting and gonna go through yeah students <laughs> gonna be wild yeah i mean it's already wild uh, it's gonna get more wild i imagine <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not boring i'll tell you that much um <laughs> no but they're amazing i mean the kids are amazing and they you know it yeah like it's just there should be more more options and you know it's it's easy like especially um when people start struggling especially when they start struggling with substances and it's easy to see how people just stay down or keep going down because it is such a daunting process and if you don't have like the family structures in place or even when you do like there's just there's no there's no rules to this shit. There's no easy way out either. Um, and so, you know, often that process of recovery requires like you really fucking getting to know yourself. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a hard thing to do when you're a fucking teenager who's just getting to know yourself too. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of doing our darndest to like show up for where they're at in that yeah <laughs> kind of crossroads yeah but it's it's really poetically beautiful because i think one one like goal of life that we could look at is like getting to know yourself know thyself the whole thing like consciousness like the experience of living is like your consciousness learning this physical system that you're in and then this like cultural system and then the bigger system at large and figure in like you know minds and we're we're just like learning machines and trying to like digest and um yeah make sense of it all and so like uh yeah it's it's like a rough road to be pushed to that edge of like you're gonna get to know yourself real real good right off the bat <laughs> it's rough for sure but <laughs> um you know you make it through and it's like it's powerful and beautiful and amazing and like you know back to your what you said about making music and what you ask people when they're when they're making something right like you know is this like is this real like are you feeling are you really feeling this is this really you and you know thinking back to me in high school there was a lot that definitely wasn't you know, I was just like trying things on and, and then, it, you know, that that's good to a point, but like, there's a lot of stuff that 
I tried on that wasn't me at all and that, you know, wasn't authentic and people in the situation that you're leading, um, seems like they're really, they're really pushed into that authenticity. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of uncomfortable shit that they're having to face like out the gate. Um, you know, and I mean, it took me years. I was telling them this this morning. I'm like, you know, it's like, this is uncomfortable. Like sitting here and talking about the shit is uncomfortable, but like, it took me years to go to a meeting myself in person. And, um, it's fucking uncomfortable. Like it's not like the first while it's, it sucks. Like some days it still sucks. Some days is, you know, but damn, like if you can do that, like I've noticed, um, recently, like I'm able, I'm able to go out again. Like I've been going to dance parties, going to shows, like DJing a little festival, you know, like there's no way in hell, like after I first got sober that I thought I'd be doing that already. Like I just, because I've been putting myself in these uncomfortable situations where I'm like being vulnerable with strangers in these safe spaces, like inside meetings and stuff, like I feel more comfortable just in my life and myself and going out to things and knowing that like I have options, like I can you know, I can leave if I want to. And I don't have to go out to anything and I don't have to push it just to push it. Like I don't, you know, so much learning. Um, yeah. So hopefully some of that sticks, sticks with them into, to their lives um, because it is such a formative time. Yeah. Pretty powerful stuff right here. <laughs> the wild west man <laughs> <laughs> it is it definitely is this is like the frontier of of uh our human existence right now oh yeah i um i don't know i i really want to put out a record by summer um so my plan is to like yeah i'm doing this job five days a week i'm on a school schedule like, who am I? I called my mom at seven in the morning and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, mom, I'm just on my way to school. And she's like, oh yeah, like, <laughs> this is all new for me. I am not a morning creature by design, um, nor a nine to fiver by design, but also like structure is not always a bad thing. <laughs> oh, it's like pretty nice, um, to be like, this is what I do at this part of the day. Um, and then I, you know, I'm going to have my studio set up and uh, be working on music through the winter too. So, um, yeah, kind of always looking for the balance, but I feel like that's life. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds good. It sounds like a good balance and I'm excited to see, uh, see how it goes. <laughs> no pressure on the album coming out at that certain amount. <laughs> no, you know how it is. We'll see. It's it like, we'll oh, see. Take time. I know. You can't rush art. I mean, you can, but it's gonna push back. <laughs> I know. We'll see. We'll see what she wants to do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's nice. Is there any, nice anything else you want to throw at us? Oh, geez, I don't know. I feel like I've said it all <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know. I'm I'm uh 
I'm kind of obsessed with Rick Rubin as oh, a yeah. creative person and his approach to things. Um, I just got his new book. Oh yeah. Have you read it yet? Yep. Yeah, you yep. have. Okay. We're on the so tip. Weird. We're on the tip. I am obsessed. Yeah. Um, so like life goals are like, I always joke with people that I want to be the butch Rick Rubin. I'm like, <laughs> like, that's my dream is like, I just want to have a ranch in a studio somewhere where people come and work with me. And I'm just like tooling around in my Birkenstocks and being like, yeah, you know, like, let's go check in with my resident historian and see if we can dig into that, you know, that verse a little more. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my, like, that's, that's totally. that, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's pretty on the money about a lot of things. I like his approach um a lot in the that documentary um series, Shangri-La about his studio and everything. Um I'm just kind of obsessed. But yeah, I think, you know, he very much echoes that sentiment too of just like getting to the heart of things and and what's trying to come through what's trying to be said um and a lot of times especially with songwriting i feel like it feels more like remembering than it does um making something out of nowhere like it it feels kind of like this archaeological um experience like dusting off the next like what is the next word <laughs> just yeah. with the little little tiny like dental tools you know little just brushes and pokey things and just like kink, 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 like what is the next thing you know and uh and it's very sculptural very yeah exactly yeah. like coming into being now what is it <laughs> um but i think more than anything um and I try to remind myself of this all the time. It's like, leave room for wonder. Ooh. Like, leave room for not knowing. Leave room for not having to figure it all out. Like, and I think that's what great songwriters and great artists do. Is like, there's a whole lot of room for wonder. And like, I think that can bring some calm and some magic back to our like day-to-day day-to-day yeah. lives. Yeah. Yeah, the magic. There that's that's like a for me, uh, yeah, that's that's part of the definition of art is it's like it's gotta have some degree of magic to it. And and if you don't leave room for that, then it's just formulaic or cookie right. cutter or like a template or yeah yeah that's an interesting thing of like where the human i think that's where uh, a spot where the human element still like really has a chance to like no matter how far ai goes along yeah we're like i think the human element is still always going to have that like that spark that mm -hmm. is special and that will resonate yeah, I mean, to see if AI gets it too. Fucking robots! <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn magic robots taking our jobs. 
<laughs> yeah, that's gonna be interesting with, to see what happens with like humanist movements uh, as the right <laughs> the apex of this next wave of technology kind of hits but for me i'm just like well then fuck it it'll just be me and my banjo on the street corner i don't care like I just, <laughs> you know i, I think <laughs> uh i don't think it'll ever stop being amazing to like go to shows and share experiences with other human beings like right. whether right. that's dancing or listening to music or you know looking at some amazing piece of art or just like stepping outside and like you know seeing the sunrise like it's just you can't take that away right it's the transcendent experience of these things at all <sighs> yeah dude all right <laughs> Fucking deep, bro <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. I think we did the podcast thing. We gone done and did it. We and did it. Um, yeah. Bang, bang. Yeah. We can. I think we're gonna publish this one. Uh. All right. Send it off to the presses. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, links. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Thank you again. Hang out for a second. I'm gonna stop. All there. right. And uh. Yeah. Cheers. So that's it. That's the Art and Life podcast. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. Hope this is inspiring your life and your work in awesome ways. If you want to check out my art and my offerings, like fine art prints and cool merchandise with my art on it, jump over to my website. It's taylorgallegosart.com. And you can also follow me and connect with me on Instagram and LinkedIn. So thanks. Till next time.